Hi everybody, Karen here just with a little note before we get started with the episode about the tragedy that happened in Newtown, Connecticut. If this is a sensitive issue for you or this is two years after the event, just go ahead and skip ahead 30 seconds. We don't actually mention it during the episode, so if you don't really want to hear about it, that's okay. I just wanted to mention that I know a lot of people want to do something to help, and so on our blog there are There is a master post with a lot of different links, both to ways you can help financially, because God knows none of the family should have to worry about financial stuff at a time like this. And that have been collected, links to those posts that have been collected by the John Tesh Radio Show and ABC News, as well as a number of sort of knitting drives to make, you know, stuffed animals or blankets or things like that. It's on the blog, it's the post just before this episode that's entitled Knitters Assemble, Help for Newtown, Connecticut. There's also a thread on the Knit One Geek Two Ravelry group called Handmade Animal Drive for the Kids, which has links that people have been adding for places to help. So if you go to if you want to help out, go to one of those two places. Thanks, and now on with the episode. In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of koi gear, casting, and klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. It's December 16th, 2012, and you're listening to episode 63 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. I'm Maggie. Eee! Okay, we capped out the mic. <laughs> Don't worry, I will have bumped that down quite a lot after, <laughs> after editing. During editing, yes. Yeah, we're coming to you from our beds. But, oh my god, we got to see The Hobbit. Yeah, and we're still catching up on sleep. That was quite an adventure, just getting into the theater, actually. Yeah. That was a long, unexpected journey. Because to begin with, (laughs) they kicked us out of the theater. Yeah. Like, to begin with, we were not allowed in the building to line up until a certain time. Yeah. And I should mention, you know, this is December in in Canada. Canada. Admittedly, it's like the the most southernmost part of Canada, but it's still pretty cold. So, like, we get there, and we go to have dinner, and there's not that many people in the, the... lobby and stuff like that. So we're like, okay. So we go to get dinner, we come back, and there's other people sitting around in the lobby, and we just manage to take a seat, and it's like 7.30-ish or so. Yeah. When the manager comes over and he's like, sorry, we can't have anybody in the lobby waiting. You'll have to go outside. Like, like, really? Okay. So instead of letting people arrive slowly, like, they had this whole long area next to the wall cordoned off, where people usually, you know, wait behind a cordon to get into a movie later on. So instead of people letting, letting people arrive slowly... And join the line. He put us all right outside the doors so that at 8 o'clock there was a stampede toward the ticket area. It's like, "Mm, yeah, that makes sense. But the stampede was to get into the area behind the ticket barrier. Right. After that, because I should should mention too, our tickets said 10 o'clock on them. Yes. Now I thought this was maybe like, okay, 10 o'clock will let us into the, the screening room. Right. So that they don't have people lined up out the wazoo in the lobby or whatever. But, okay, so at 8 o'clock, we get in the lot, we, we get in and we join the stampede. It's, it was you, me, and Lauren. Right. We all literally joined hands when the stampede happened, so yeah. we didn't get separated. You know, so we get past our tickets, and he's like, okay, go that way. Yeah. But we had to go down the hall, past all the screening rooms. Down through, the stairs. Through, through basically, like, fire doors, like yep. emergency doors. 
into like this access hallway, down the stairs into this concrete access hallway. It was like, you know, <laughs> we're sending the women and children into the mines. Yes. Yeah, there was lots of uh, Helm's Deep jokes going yeah, on here. going on. Because, yeah, we were basically sent down in what looked like a big concrete bunker. Yeah. And it and when you got down there, you're trying to find the end of the line, and the line edging the wall just kept going. And, and going, going. And going. going. And, and eventually wrapped around. around. I've got pictures of people playing cards and playing board games and... Yeah, they're, again, you know, of course, you know, this is old hat to us, so of course a lot of people are using their smartphones. I saw people across from us had brought... Ticket to Ride, that game. <laughs> you know, other people had books, you know, stuff like that. We, of course, had our knitting. Yes, we did. And at that point, Maggie wound her yarn yep. for her movie socks, and I cast on the toe for my movie socks, both of us using the socks that rock lightweight in Hobbit, Hobbit Garden. Garden! Because what would be more appropriate for that particular movie? Mm-hmm. And wearing mm-hmm. our stuff. Yep. I was wearing my shawl. Mm-hmm. And Karen was fantabulous in her cape. <laughs> yes, which came in handy when yes. we were waiting outside. I actually oh, put damn. my cape on over my coat, and it was actually quite nice and toasty warm. We did see a couple of good costumes. Oh, yes, there was a few guys dressed up in, like... Some were dwarves. Yeah. And there were a couple of hobbits. Yep. They, and I gave them a high five when I passed by them. Yep, and we waited there until about... It must have been, like, 9.30 9.30, yeah. And when then... the call came down. We're moving, and just all of a sudden, everybody Everyone's just... Everyone's like, foom, foom, grab their stuff, ready to go. And so, you know, we all get into the theater, and we get in, and it was maybe like 20 minutes before. And of course, as soon as they had a couple people checking tickets before we went up the stairs out of the, you know, Helm's Deep. And as soon as you got past that point, people were like scurrying into the theater, yeah. and then it was like, you know, military precision of being like, there, three seats, there, quick, move, move, move. Make for the aisles, make for the aisles. Because, you know, it's going to be a three-hour movie. Somebody's going to have to go pee sometime. Yeah. You know, we get our seats, we settle in, and, you know, we're all sitting there, and eventually they start up the pre-show crap of Uh, lame trivia based on movies that are coming out within the next two months and commercials. Yeah, Yeah, and dumb celebrity stuff. And then at 10 o'clock, the lights go down. Excuse me? Excuse me, what? Not that, and I was saying, we did not expect it to start at 10, but I ain't complaining. No. And it did start at 10. Like, they showed, well, they showed, like, God, like, four stupid, five, four or five stupid commercials. Then they showed a couple previews. We did not, sadly, get the Star Trek Into Darkness preview. We did not. Because it would have been nice to hear the Cumberbatchy voice. We got two Tom Cruise movies, I think. Yeah, I can't even remember what they were. Doesn't matter. The only one, I, the only movie I remember seeing the, the trailer for, or that I remember, I think one's called the trailers Oblivion or something was, like that. Oh, yeah, there was something like that. Yeah, that was one of the ones I didn't really remember. The only one I remembered was Pacific Rim. Okay. The new Guillermo del Toro movie, mainly because that's giant robots versus giant monsters. Guillermo del Toro. Uh, shit's gonna happen. Yeah. Very likely graphic shit's gonna happen. Yeah. And then they started the movie, which was awesome, because I was thinking, like, I was expecting, you know, them to maybe let us in the theater at 10, and they'd start the movie at 12, and... That's what I expected, too. We wouldn't get out until 3 a.m., and I had to work from 10 to 1 on Friday morning. And I am, let's just face it, not a night bird no more. So, yeah, usually on a regular night, somewhere around 12 o'clock, I'm nodding off. Yeah. If I haven't already. So I was actually really happy that they started the movie then. Yeah, so was I. And we got out of there. Like, the movie finished. Like, what was it? 10, Quart- mi- ten minutes to 1. Ten to Something one? like that. Yeah. Quarter to a 10 minutes to 1. And we were in the car and on the way home just minutes past 1 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So... Which was awesome! Yeah, it was awesome. 
<clears throat> okay. However, so- before we... Yeah, we'll save the movie discussion until Geek Squee, because we'll do the whole spoilery thing. And, you know, so we don't get completely off format here. So as we were saying, we were working on our Hobbit long socks. Well, not our Hobbit long. We were working on our Hobbit, Hobbit garden socks. socks. Which we ha- both have right now. Yes. I had to restart mine because in my effort... Because you got to remember, we are... You know, doing this on the fly, we're stand, standing in the lines and then getting to the movie theater. And then, of course, it's also, you know, me. I couldn't make a plain sock the first time out to save my life. <laughs> I cast on something that was way too big. So I had to rip it out and start over. Yeah. And I've been trying this one on as I go. So this one's much better. And the goal, like you said, we're supposed to have these done before the next Hobbit movie, right? Yeah. I think we should. That's make- sort of the unofficial goal. We Mine can- are going to be done by the end, done by the end of the year. Yeah, that should that should be reasonable. <laughs> and mine, I got most of the foot of one done. Yeah, I probably maybe got maybe a couple more rows, and then I'll start the heel. But I, I stopped. Do you think that you know Gollum would have turned out better if somebody had made him a pair of socks? Possibly. But I I had to stop not too far before the end of the movie. Really, I was able to knit through most of it, and I got like. That's at least three inches done. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Three, three and a half inches. What, did you four. have consistent tension this time? Well, it was all one movie, is the thing. So, of course, it was consistent tension through most of the, the movie. The thing was with the other one, it was more you could see where I had changed movies. Ah, Because, right. you know, one movie's worth would be a little bit tighter than another movie's I worth. I see. Yeah, but I had to stop close to the end because I could feel that something didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. With one of the stitches, like, two rows down. And so I couldn't be sure if I dropped a stitch or something. What actually actually had happened is the yarn had actually split. Ah. So what I was feeling was that there wasn't as much bulk where one stitch should be. Okay. But that was an easy fix the next day. I just, you know, moved. I just aligned things so that the needles were at that stitch, dropped it down the two rows, and then picked it back picked up the right time up. this time. Okay. Other than that, they are flawless. What else are you working on? Of course, since it's been a couple weeks since we've recorded. I started a little shawlette scarfy thing. A little something-something? Yeah. I know ages ago I wanted to do a little sideways knit sort of scarf. Basically where you, you start, you have a couple plain stitches and then a lace pattern on one edge. Mm-hmm. And so you cast on enough stitches to do the lace pattern and those few plain stitches. And then you increase like every sixth row, eighth row, something like that, creating a long, narrow wedge. Right. Of, like, stockinette stitch or garter stitch. All the while working this lace edging at the same time. You increase until you hit, like, half. You weigh the ball. And you keep weighing the ball until you have half the yarn left. And then you start decreasing. Okay. I was going to do this for my mother. She bought me some yarn. or Well, she bought some yarn for this that I have upstairs. But for the moment, I've just been doing it as sort of a proof of concept sort of thing figuring it out. So I started one for me using the yarn I mentioned months ago and possibly using one for me. I think the first Mean Girls Yarn Club package I ever got. So it was the second year of it, the first package. And the yarn was inspired by the White Witch from Narnia. Narnia. Okay. And so it's these cool, like, grayish blue and white and really almost not turquoise, but a brighter sort of blue like that, and sort of, you know, where the colors have bled into each other in between. And I'm using just a sort of peaked edging 
And it's pretty so far. I've only got like six inches of it done so far because I was working on it for a little while and then I had other stuff. I'm thinking there was another pair of socks that I've totally forgotten about. No, that was it. Okay. That was it. I also cast on some some more fingerless gloves. I haven't quite finished the first pair, but whatever. Anyway, um, these ones are in some Koigu yarn and I'm just doing them in a plain three knit, one purl ribbing. Mm-hmm. Because I need some... Well, because the ones that I had started were a little heavier weight and would be good for, like, outside sort of things. These ones are slightly lighter in weight, so they will be good for inside sort of things. Like, inside at the small library I work at that's 125 years old and tends to be kind of cold. Or where my hands tend to get kind of cold. Okay. So that's what I've been working on. And, of course, the last couple days I've mainly just been working on the socks. Like, I cast... I should mention the Hobbit socks. I worked the one sock on the... Saturday, and then yesterday I had quite the bus ride because I had an exam, oh god, for the course I'm doing, the library tech course. So you had to physically go in for the exam? Yeah. you so had to an online one? No, it was basically, like, the entire course that I'm taking, it's through, it's through a college that's about 45 minutes from me, but it's all done online. But for the exam, you actually had to go to somewhere, and you had to physically write the exam, like handwrite the exam, and it was, you know, they would have everything printed off. Um, they had to actually, like, mail the exam from the, the college that's running this course to wherever you were, wherever you were going to be writing it. You could, I could have gotten someone local to proctor it, but that would have been a pain in the butt, because then you have to, you have to find somebody to do it, and you have to arrange a time, and then you have to fill out this form and mail it to the college and blah, blah, blah. Of course, it meant I had to get the bus to Welland, which was like a 45-minute ride, and I had to get there early so that I could have some time to... Calm. Relax, because it has been a long time since I have done an exam, you guys. I've been kind of trying not to freak out the last week, or last couple weeks, of like, I don't know how to do this anymore, I don't know if I'm actually learning anything. But it's over, thank you God. I'm sure you did great. And I was able to do the toe of the next sock. Cool. Just the toe shaping of the next sock while I was mostly on the way back. On the way there, I was like, studying. I must remember all these things. So yes, if anyone, any of our listeners out there are doing exams because you're an actual college student and have more than one exam right now, you have my sympathies. Grab some chocolate, have some knitting handy. Yes. And when you are finished, go get drunk. Yep. And you have our support. (laughs) Yes. Is that it? Yep, that's pretty much it for me. As mentioned before, I picked up the easy ruffled cardigan again, which and? is my 2 by 2 knitting crazy of doom. And I brought it to knit night this past week, and lo and behold, ran out of my yarn that Ooh, I brought with yes. me. yes. Oh, I hate that. And I'm like, damn it, the only good thing about this is that it makes me realize that I'm actually getting somewhere on this, because <laughs> I'm, I'm in the knitting eternity. You know, it's that 2 by 2 knitting rib knitting for 300 stitches, and I've got to do that for nine inches. Oh, God. So at least it tells me that I am moving on that thing. Yeah. However, the next ball of yarn for that yeah. is in... It's not even a yarn vomit. I think it's a yarn amoeba. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's not in a very good place. So I'm trying my best to unwind it, you know, while sitting in front of the TV instead of doing my knitting, I am doing the unwinding and unknotting. And most people would say, well, why don't you ignore that skein and go to a different skein? And I'm like, because I'm OCD and I have to have this done, damn it, or else it's going to splinter my brain into a lot of little pieces. I have not been diagnosed as OCD. Other you were just doing a little self-diagnosis in, sure, this, whatever. One, in this one little area of in your life. this one little area. <laughs> not in other areas, which, you know, if you actually had OCD, would, you know, control no. your life. 
Everyone has the little things they pick. Yes, about. everybody does. My being my my son is um, very fu- highly functioning autis- autistic, and we noticed that whenever he gets stressed and there's something about his life he's upset about and can't control, he focuses his whole world down onto his train set, which is an area he can control. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing with my knitting. So I either come if if it's been a bad day, I come home and I either work out my knitting. Or, you know, roll out the scheme, you know, taking chaos and putting it into order. Mm -hmm. I clean, which is taking my environment and putting it into order. Mm -hmm. Or what I've been doing for the past ten days is uh, my Christmas puzzle. Oh, yes, that big Christmas puzzle you have on your table. It's done. I was at your house like two days ago. It's done. It was not done. It was nowhere near done. One thousand pieces done. There were a lot of pieces that looked exactly the same as a lot of damn other pieces. Is done. Then you also had the day off on Friday. Yes, Because you were smart, and you took the day off. Dang right I did. I didn't wake up until ten minutes before noon. Anyway, Yeah, um, I stayed over at Maggie's house that night, instead of having to either her driving me there, back to my house, or me shelling out like 25 25 bucks for a cab. So, I didn't even see you at all the next morning. No, (laughs) no. All I felt was my husband kissing my cheek and saying, I'm taking care into work. Huh? Where? I've got it. I've got it. Go back to sleep. Okay. Thunk. Yeah, he said you had the momentary panic when you were like, oh crap, do I have to get up to watch Aiden? And, um, but you got waffles with my husband. Yes, I had waffles. Homemade waffles. He's a keeper. I had those for lunch. Very, 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 very late second breakfast. Let's see. So other than that, I'm also doing the Jaffrey hat that was put out by... It was put up in a Brooklyn Tweed selection. Okay. The designer's not Jared Flood, I believe, but it's... I'll link it anyways, but I'm doing the Tam version, mm-hmm. not the beanie version. I'm doing the Tam version that's got Celtic knotwork and everything in it. Ooh. And I'm doing it in some leftover sock weight, sock yarn. It does call for fingering weight, so it's all legit. I don't know if I have enough because it's some leftover sock yarn, but I'm going, you know what, I'm enjoying it anyway, screw it, if I have to knit it again, I'll knit it again. I know there's one more thing I'm doing, I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I know, my life has gotten so focused on the, in the last two, week, two weeks of like, oh my god, study, that it's sort of like, what the hell have I been, hell, uh, hell have I been knitting yeah. since then? I mean, I'm, there are things that I know I want to do, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing them until the new year. Oh yeah, I've had tons of projects. I've got three baby blankets to do. Head. Oh dear. Because, you know, people aren't, you know, conceiving babies at Christmas anymore. They're having babies. So I've got three baby blankets to do. I've got two shawls that I want to do. I've got yarn. I've got a stunning yarn that I picked up. I think it was at the Kitchener Knitter's Fair. Fair. Yeah. It's the Golden Marrakesh, the handmade in Marrakesh yarn. No, you got that at the Frolic because I was just listening to that episode right. a few days ago. I got it at the Frolic. It needs to be something absolutely glorious. I just haven't figured out what it is yet. And that's one of those ones that can, you know, sit and marinate until you know what it is. But I want to, I want to wear it. Well, then obviously, you just need to buy more of that yarn in a different color that you can make something <laughs> else with. Oh, okay. And as was pointed out to me at Knit Night, Karen did say, and I do have to keep to this, I was going to dabble a little bit in the whole designer pattern thing. So yes, that. which also comes from my having listened to older episodes in the last week or so. So I, I was like, to... oh yeah, Maggie said that. I should remind her about that. Damn you. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I started making sketches and putting down ideas for a bunch of Harry Dresden type patterns. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't done anything physically like putting needles to yarn about it yet. Yeah, sometimes ideas have to marinate too. Hold on, people. Okay. Technical difficulty. We will we'll be, be right back. We'll be back in a minute with better sound quality. 
Okay, Maggie, so tell the good people what you just told me. I'm making more sock monkeys today. Oh, dear. How many sock monkeys is that you've made in the last couple of weeks? Twelve? Something like that? Twelve-ish. Maybe. Kinda. They're fun! You said you'd given some of what you said too earlier, you've given some of them away. Yeah, I gave, a, I, well, they were as intended. I made a bunch for my coworkers at work. Some of them have kids, are having kids, want to have kids, and some of them just need, you know, things to whack around. You know, sort of like a damn it doll. Or they just need their own little personal cheerleader in their office or something like that. So I gave them out on um, Wednesday, and then I felt exceptionally lonely all of a sudden. Because <laughs> you didn't have ten of these little monkeys yeah, staring at you? I felt kind of lonely. Anyway. So you're going to sew yourself some new friends? I am. I might sew some Doctor Who friends and some Sherlock friends or some Hobbit friends. Sherlock friends? And I have been asked to make a Spock friend. Yes, there's that too. The Luscious Lily has asked me to make a Spock monkey. That should be interesting. <laughs> yes, I'm going to have to think about that one. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Oh, yeah, and on Friday, Mom and I went down to Niagara on the Lake. How'd that go? Oh, it was nice. It was really nice seeing the place decked out for Christmas and hearing Christmas carols and stuff. Mm. Um, but I went to the little yarn and quilt stuff yeah, store, yeah. B Fabrics. Yes. And I got some, I finally found, of course, it's kind of late now, finally found some really nice uh, 100% wool felt. That I want to do some embroidery with. Mm. But more on that when I've actually done it. Okay. So, I think that's pretty much... I mean, I do have a holiday vacation coming up. Yeah. Staycation, though, a stay- this year. It's a staycation. It's just going to be me, the husband, and the elfling for 12 days of Christmas. At which point, you might be very glad to get back to work. That might be true. Of course, you can always come over here, and we can watch that, too. Yes. When I'm not working. We do have the New which Year. Isn't gonna be an, which is going to be a lot of the, the holiday. We do <laughs> have the New Year. Because the way it falls this year. Yes, New Year's. We usually do have a little New Year's Day knit at Starbucks thing that we do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be Of cool. course, now, this well, this year, New Year's Day is going to be the day before our usual knit night, so we'll have to see what we want to do. All right, we'll figure I that out. I kind of still want to have both. Why not? It's like, whatever, I can totally see you guys two days in a row. Totally. Okay, so, moving on into Geek Squeak? Moving into Geek Squeak. Okay, so, first in line, the Golden Globe nominees came out this week, and there seems seems to be a certain geeky cast to a lot of them. (laughs) Or things that geeks might be interested in. And of which we admire and endorse. Yes. For instance, you know, we've mentioned the Les Miserables music, uh, movie musical that's coming out because musical geeks, yay! And it's been nominated for Best Motion Picture in Comedy or Musical. And it's competing against, uh, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, Salmon Fishing in, Fishing in the Yemen, which was a cute movie, and Silver Linings Playbook, which I've heard good things about. So, I don't know. It maybe has a shot. I haven't heard very much yet. Any of these, but... I've seen one of them. We'll have seen two when I see Les Miserables. Um, Mom's seen Best Exotic Marigold Hotel and really liked it. And the other two, like I haven't... Moonrise Kingdom and Silver Linings Playbook, I haven't seen them. Okay. But I've definitely heard about them. Okay. So, and they do sound like interesting movies, too. Okay, so, so it'll be interesting to follow up on. Yeah. Interesting. It's the only... Of course, it's the only musical that's entered in that category. So it should be... And it should be kind of interesting... Should be kind of interesting to see how it plays out, too, because, like, it's comedy or musical. But when it comes to musicals, Les Miserables is a pretty deadly serious serious musical. No kidding. No kidding. It's a pretty dramatic musical, which should make it interesting wondering how it's going to go up against, like, comedies. True. And then, of course, Hugh Jackman is nominated for Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Comedy or Musical for Les Miserables. He can be nominated for anything you like. Anything you like, and he's going up against Ewan McGregor, who's nominated for salmon fishing in the Yemen. And um, yes, hello, yum. That's yummy too. Uh, let's see. And Jennifer Lawrence 
who of course was in Hunger Games, is not nominated for that, but she's nominated for her role in Silver Linings Playbook. And of course, one of my favorite things is Adele's Skyfall got nominated for Best <laughs> Original Song! Yes! For all the James Bond fans out there. And, oh yeah, the Best Animated Film category is going to be Brave, Frankenweenie, Hotel Transylvania, Rise of the Guardians, and Wreck-It, Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph. Hmm, I don't know. I'm That's sp- interesting. Though it kind of says something that all those movies... I think have gotten fairly good reviews, and I know maybe or maybe reviewers didn't enjoy them, but I know a lot of people who enjoyed those movies. So yeah. it's kind of neat that the animated feature category has such strong. I think Wreck It Ralph had like one of the most the response from everything for yeah. Wreck It Ralph was so positive. Yeah, like, yeah, it should be interesting, especially because I know a lot of people who are interested in seeing and who or who enjoyed Wreck It Ralph, yeah, and who enjoyed. You know, who want to see Rise of the Guardians and, you know, all these other movies. So it's kind of interesting that so many, I know so many adults. And not just in the sense that, you know, a lot of people our age are, you know, seem to be interested in that sort of thing again, but just, I don't know, just that these movies also appeal to an older audience instead of just being totally. like, oh, it's just the animated film category. And then for TV. <laughs> everybody's, everybody's favorite Sherlock. Okay, I can't say that because everybody does have a favorite Sherlock, but... Yeah. And it may not be Benedict Cumberbatch, but Benedict Cumberbatch was nominated for Best Performance in an Actor of an Actor in a Miniseries or TV Movie for Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Squee! Sadly, no nomination for Martin Freeman. But it's which okay. Which is kind of a travesty, really. Yeah, but he says that's okay, he won a BAFTA. And then, of course, for the Downton Abbey fans, it got nominated in Best TV Series Drama... Uh, Michelle Dockery, who plays Lady Mary, was nominated for Best Actress, and Maggie Smith was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, because hello. Honestly, Maggie Smith could walk on stage, just cast this disapproving glance at everybody, say, fuck you, leave. She would get nominated for that. (laughs) Screw you, (laughs) drop the mic, out she goes. Yeah, because (laughs) she could be nominated for that. Yeah. And Maggie Smith was also nominated in Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy or Musical for Quartet, which is an indie movie that she was in. So it should be interesting to see what see happens. That movie. Yeah, it's got Michael Gambon and Billy Connolly in it. I think I remember seeing a trailer for it. I never saw it. Uh, one of our little, it. you know, British indie movies that we watch. I think I need to see it. So yes, it should be interesting what happens with the Golden Globes this year. And then, of course, the Golden Globes are often, you know, sort of a what might be nominated or win at the Oscars sort of thing. So we shall see. And, of course, there was lots of other nominations and stuff. Like, of course, Lincoln got nominated for a whole bunch of stuff. But we're looking at looking at the article on the Mary Sue that has a lot of the more geeky ones. Mm-hmm. That people would be interested in. So speaking of movies, a while ago we mentioned a zombie movie that was being making, made by physics student, students at CERN. And was actually filmed at inside CERN, yeah. CERN. That movie is now available in its full length glory. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. It's called Decay. But you can also find it at decayfilm.com. And I would suggest probably going there so that they get the hits for it. Yeah. Instead of just looking it up on YouTube. But it looks like the full film is now up, which is awesome. I might have to... I don't know if I'll watch the entire thing, because, like, horror, zombie movies, not exactly my bag, but I, I kind of want to see some of it, at least. Yeah, I can... This can be like, oh my god, they filmed this in the big large hadron collider, that's so awesome. Nerdgasm. Oh, also speaking of nerdgasms, this is awesome! So, the University of Chicago received a package... Addressed to Henry Walton Jones Jr. So, initially, the it looks like it was received by the admissions office. 
And so they said they sort of shrugged it off and put it in their bin of mail for student workers to sort through. Sort through and deliver to the correct offices and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But the student mail worker who received it realized who Henry Jones Jr. was. As in... Indiana Jones. Yes. As in the Last Crusade, as in the... Yeah, Raiders of the Ark. Raiders of the the Ark, sorry. And the uh, the Crystal Skull. And yeah, that Indiana Jones. As in the whip and the fedora and the motorcycle. As in fictional character. Yes. More importantly. And so when they opened the package, they found a very detailed replica of... The character Abner Ravenswood, who was in the in the movies, he was a University of Chicago professor, from his journal from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they thought for a while it might have been one that was on sale for eBay, but then they looked at some, they saw some inconsistencies in it, like in some the cover detail and stuff like that. But other than that, it's like a perfect replica. It also had postcards and pictures of Marion Ravenswood. And some old replica money and stuff in there. It says, it's clear that it's mostly but not completely handmade, as although the included paper is weathered, all of the handwriting and calligraphy lacks the telltale pressure marks of actual handwriting. So someone found a handwriting font Font. on the computer and printed it out and made the paper look old. The thing is, they have no idea why uh, why it came to them. They don't know why it came. They don't know where it came from. Yeah, they said that it has... It doesn't have actual stamps on it. Like, they have pictures at uh, uchicagoadmissions.tumblr.com. Shouldn't be hard to find the post. <laughs> I mean, it does look like a package that one would receive maybe yeah. back in the day, but... And you can see there are stamps, what looks like old stamps, on the cover, but they said that it hasn't been... They're pasted on, and they look like they've been photocopying... So there's no U.S. postage on the package, but we did receive it in a bin of mail, and it is addressed to the physical address of our building. So it doesn't look, which has a distinctly different address from any of the other buildings, too. Right. So they are sending a request out to the interweb in general. Ooh. Oh, and I just noticed this. They're in, they're currently, in, their building is Rosenwald Hall, and it says, although now home to the economy department and the economics department and college admissions, Rosenwald Hall used to be the home for our departments of geology and geography. (laughs) So there might have been, you know, some archaeology or anthropology classes going on there too. Possibly. Maybe a professor or two housed there as well. So they have this, this large description of everything in pictures on their Tumblr, and they're saying, if you're an applicant and sent this to us, why? <laughs> How did you make it? Why so awesome? If you're a member of the university community and this belongs to you or you've gotten one like it before, please tell us how you acquired it and whether or not yours came with a description. Or if we're making a big deal out of the fact that you accidentally slipped a gift for a friend in the inter-university mail system. They did get contacted by... Yeah, well, they, it, they did... Was it Silver Media? Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm, sorry. They did get um, contacted by Lucasfilm and had a small joygasm out of that. Yeah. That this was not a publicity stunt for a future... Yeah, Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones movie. movie or event or that sort of thing. Um, they did ask for the internet's help. They said if you're on Reddit or any other nerdly social media, please pass it on, that sort of thing. And they did set up they set up an email account just to deal with it. It's Indiana Jones Journal at uchicago.edu. And for anybody who's asking, who's wondering right now, no, it is not for sale. 
No. Yeah, they said it's going to be in the University of Chicago Library Special Collections once the mystery has been solved. They said they have narrowed the likely maker of it down to the most accurate eBay match, but have not been able to get in touch with the seller, nor did they have any sense of why that would have come to their office. Yeah. So, total mystery. Yeah. That is crazy. It's like it's, mean, it's like a, a package from seven years past, ago yeah. arrived for a fictional character. It, I mean, it's it's a good kind of crazy. Yeah. But all the same time, it's a little bit on the Twilight side. Yeah. So again, if you're seeing, if you want to see the details and everything, you can go to uchicagoadmissions.tumblr.com. They actually have, and they have an updated, there was an updated post from a couple days ago. Actually, and if you click on, as their tags, they have Indiana Jones Journal as one of their tags. So even if you go to Tumblr and search the tags feature, if you know how that works in Tumblr, you can search Indiana Jones Journal and get it. And they have... They're challenging Adam Savage to bust the myth. (laughs) Yeah, Adam Savage from Mythbusters made one similar to this, but from The Last Crusade. I was Adam Savage, can you bust our myth? Yeah, there's another post after the main one that we were just looking at that even shows, like, tiny little glimpse inside the book and... This should be in a museum has been the best possible response to our now internet famous Indiana Jones mystery journal. Agreed. (laughs) So they've gotten all sorts of different tips and things that they've sort of put in as possibilities. (laughs) Harrison Ford really wants to go on a date with someone in our office and this is how he got our attention. (laughs) That's one of the suggestions. Okay. Someone got us a cool gift from it. HTTP www.mysteriouspackage.com. I'm going to have to check this website out. Okay. Yeah, they said, you know, it could be something that a student submitted as part of their application. One respondent even bet that we'll receive a series of these from the applicant, but hopefully not a crystal skull. (laughs) This is a popular theory, and we do say that it fits the idea of a create-your-own-essay prompt. (laughs) But at least for the moment, even if it is someone who's sending something as part of their admissions process, they haven't revealed who they They are are yet. yet. And therefore, it can't help them with their admissions process just yet. I just love this. I love it when the fictional world and the real world just sort of poof together. Hi, guys. This is Karen with a little update on the Indiana Jones mystery package, because the mystery has been solved. Apparently what happened is, um, as some people thought, this did turn out to be the work of an eBay seller, whose eBay name is Ravenbar, who does this sort of reconstructive work, and that they had the University of Chicago Admissions had contacted to try and see like if this was his work. Apparently the seller did contact him to let them know that this was his work, and he had just received a letter from the United States Post Office sorting the service in Honolulu, stating that the outer package of something he mailed had been found without its contents at their facility. So it was going from Guam to Italy, and it must have fallen out of the package somehow in Hawaii. Like, the, maybe the outer envelope got ripped, and so the inner package, which looked like a regular package, fell out. Of course, the original package had stamps, quote-unquote, like photocopied stamps, and the address and everything on it was all tied up with string looking like a real package. So somebody picked it up and put it in the bag of mail going to Chicago, because that's where they thought it was going. Thankfully, the seller, the real name is, his name is Paul, and he's let the University of Chicago know that he's going to make the intended recipient a new journal, and they are welcome to keep the journal that they received. They said it'll find its home in the Oriental Institute at University of Chicago, because as many have noted, it belongs in a museum! (laughs) 
<laughs> they said they're going to post a link when the exhibit is finished. So they, they said they're going to work in some neat history about um, the people who inspired Indy's character. So it should be really neat. And I thought, even though, you know, it turns out to be a somewhat mundane thing, it's still kind of fun that this package kind of got lost and ended up somewhere where it really didn't intend to be. Oh, and kudos to the person who posted this on Tumblr, because the, the headline of this Tumblr post is called Mischief Managed. There's some serious nerds working at the University of Chicago admissions office. So if you'd like to see it yourself, and you, they actually have scans of the the letter from the United States Postal Service. You can go to uchicagoadmissions.tumblr.com. It was posted on the 18th, I believe. But if you go to their blog, if you go to their Tumblr blog, there is, along the right-hand sidebar, there is a little search box there where you can search their blog. And they have tagged every post, like we said earlier, that has to do with this with the tag Indiana Jones Journal. So search for that and you should be able to find all the posts and see all the pictures. Okay, back to the podcast. And finally, as one little thing, okay, I know like it's been a while since we mentioned the whole Gangnam Style Klingon parody. And I know in the time, even before then and since then, there have been a billion Gangnam Style parodies. But this is one that we thought you guys needed to see. This is good. Because this is hilarious. This is... If you are sick of this meme, just bear with us and watch this one, because it's really, yeah. really cool. We, we promise. NASA Johnson style. Yep. It was done by interns. At NASA. At the Johnson Space Center. At Nat, if for NASA. You can find it under... On YouTube, the username is Real, R-E-E-L, NASA. And it is just... They have completely, they've written their own lyrics yep. to the song, and... They've videoed it, and they've coordinated it with footage from space, and... Yeah, with some, with NASA footage, and they have staff members of NASA that are actually... They're in the laboratories, they're in, at the control decks. <laughs> on one of the, I, I think it's like an ISS simulator. It's pretty cool. They're doing... <laughs> they have footage of them doing the Gangnam Style dance. In either the actual or a replica of, like, Mission Control yep. from, like, the Apollo era. It's, I, they're, they show them doing it with one of the Apollo, one of the Saturn V rockets <laughs> on display, <laughs> like, right beside them. I just, I can't even, you guys. It's hilarious. And it's also great because they did, all the lyrics are about, like, all the things that NASA contributes. Right. You know, they talk about, you know, every day making things to improve life here on Earth as well as expand our knowledge of space. And it's... I've seen a couple of people who are... Especially YouTube commenters commenters who are, you know, often the lowest form of life. Agreed. Yeah. Who are like, oh, I can't believe NASA's spending your money on this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, one, it was made by interns and, with, like, a video camera. I'm sure yeah. it didn't cost that much. Two, like, this is all... Even if they did spend a fair bit of money on this. This is a great promotional thing because it shows you and tells you all the things that they do with the money that they get. And it gets, with the very little money they get. It gets young people excited about yeah. science and space exploration. Come yes. on. Like I said, the username is Real NASA, R-E-E-L-N-A-S-A, or just Google or just Google or search on YouTube NASA Johnson style J O H N S O N right and you'll find it and it's oh, I love it I think it's my favorite my favorite Gangnam style well maybe tied with Klingon style 
Yeah, Klingon was pretty good. I've seen uh, I've seen Gangnam Style connected to Christmas lights displays. Yes! Oh my That's god. pretty epic. That was hilarious. So, moving into another mention of something to do with space, only more fictional space this time. That's okay. This past week, the Star Trek Into Darkness trailer came out. Yes, it did. Which, oh my god. Has a beautiful voice overlaying on top mm-hmm. of a lot of it. Yes, a rather familiar voice. A very familiar voice. <laughs> For some of our listeners. Um, but though it also looks pretty epic considering what happens in the trailer itself. And if you want a little extra thing to sort of explode your brain, search for the Japanese trailer, which has a couple seconds more footage, but it is footage that the fandom has been going completely batshit insane about. (laughs) Because it may be familiar to people who know earlier Star Trek movies. And of course, people are now speculating on what that means. Lillian, you're listening to this. We know that you are. <laughs> we know that you're going psycho about this. But yeah, it looks pretty big, and the movie looks pretty big and epic and interesting. And of course, the Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't hurt. Voiceover doesn't hurt, especially when he's being all evil. He's good at that, though. Ooh, yes. He's so good at that. So good. But yeah. Oh, and also, people saw the first nine minutes of. Star Trek Into Darkness before their viewings of The Hobbit, if they were seeing the IMAX 3D. That's correct. And so there's actually on io9, if you want to know, on io9, posted on Friday, December 14th, there is an article about the first nine minutes of Star Trek Into Darkness, including a synopsis of exactly what they saw. If you want those spoilers. If you don't want those spoilers, obviously you don't want to read this article. And it's just called, We've we've Seen the First Nine Minutes of Star Trek Into Darkness. So if you don't want spoilers, you know to avoid, avoid, avoid. But that's on io9 if you are desperate to know more. Now, speaking of The Hobbit, before we get into our discussion, <laughs> which we'll do the whole spoiler thing with, we also wanted to mention, oh my god. There is an actual green dragon pup. In the Hobbiton shooting location. Now, for anybody who needs to know, like, needs a little bit of hand-holding, the Green Dragon is the pub where all the hobbits go to drink. Yes. It is the pub in Hobbiton. It's the one that everybody has their drinks at. It's It's the the one where Rosie works at. It's the one that Rosie works at. It's (laughs) the one that Merry and Pippin were singing about. Yes. And, you know, daydreaming about after the battle at Isengard and everything. So uh, they've actually opened one, and yes. I want my next birthday party there. I don't want to go, and I mean, it's and it's in Hobbiton is the thing too. Yeah, I know. It's like you go to where they filmed the Hobbiton scenes, and you see the little Hobbit houses, and you see like the front of Bag End and stuff like that, and then you can go in the Green Dragon. It's not just you know some place off in Wellington or you know yeah. in London or something like that. It's and it's got the round doors, and it's got all the wooden furniture, and it looks very hobbitish. Yeah, they even have a little directional sign. It's beautiful. Oh, right. oh my god. god. If I if I ever won the lotto and had and I could make my own house, it would be a hobbit house. Oh sweet Jesus, yes, I would love to go. Imagine what I could cook with Bilbo's pantry. Oh man, I'd be so happy. That'd be so nice. I want a Hobbit house. I do, too. I want Bag End. Me, too. Like, for realsies. Well, they sell the blueprints. Oh, I want it. I just need to find the right hill to put it in. And, you know, have a full-time job and all that other stuff to pay for it. But whatever. That's what the lotto's for. (laughs) So if anybody out there, (coughs) a Wilda, (coughs) has (laughs) been to Hobbiton of late and has been to the Green Dragon, let us know what it's like. Give us a review. I'm sure one of our New Zealand the New Zealanders would be willing to take this bullet for us. <laughs> I know it's hard. I know it's asking a lot. I know. But Steal yourself. And go for it. Yeah. 
So yes. The right. Hobbit. From here... Before we get into spoilers, yep. we'll just give our little impressions. Okay. I I honestly thought cinematically, it was like no time had passed. Yeah. It's like, it, oh it, my god, I'm looking the at... the same. Yes. It felt like 11 years had not passed. Of course, this time, the tone of the movie is a little different. Because the sto- tone of the story is different. It's not well, as true. serious. It's accessible to a younger audience. And, you know, without giving spoilers, I can say that I know a few people I've seen who've commented on the movie had said the movie sort of has these big sort of tonal changes at time, which can be kind of jarring. Like, one minute's dead serious, next minute's funny, and it doesn't quite... To them, it didn't... To them, it didn't quite run as smoothly in the tone changes. So, just so you know that before you go. Personally, I like those tone changes. Mm-hmm. Because I think otherwise, you know, I would have <coughs> grip broken the armchairs of my seat from, like, all of the danger and tension and suspense and... Well, they just kept going from one... It was just an avalanche of one dangerous situation to the other. Yeah, I think, see, I kind of liked it because, yeah, it, it sort of switched it up like that. Right. You didn't really, I found you didn't really notice as much exactly how time was going, how much time was no going. No kidding! Because of all this stuff. And I will also say you do get a lot of backstory yep. in the beginning, which is maybe not there quite as much in the book, or it is at least, it, well, you know, of course, at least it's presented differently because, of course, they can present it, you know, in some ways very quickly, but very engrossingly because you're, you can see it. Yeah. Instead of, like, when they talk about the dwarves losing their home and that sort of thing. And there were quite a few times when I, I got all wibbly because those bastards... One, because, like, there are a lot of times where you see, like, the landscape and stuff, and it looks kind of like landscapes I've seen in Lord of the Rings. There's a couple plots I'm like, are they shooting the exact same p- place they shot this? But it's also <laughs> sort of like, oh my god, we're back there! Yeah. And there's the concerning Hobbit's theme, and I, I'm getting all wibbly because oh my god, we're back in back end and Hobbit. Oh my god. And you can sense musically scored. We talked about. They, oh yeah. They brought back a lot of the musical score themes that they use, I guess, to get a to get a connection. Yeah. With the other with the other trilogy, and like, you know when you start playing the back end song. You yeah. think of hobbits. You just think of hobbits, mm-hmm. and sort of gets you back into that that, yeah. that place. So, how we go? Should we go into spoilery stuff so that we spoiler stuff? We can mention details. Spoiler stuff. Okay. So, as usual, in the notes for this episode, and in the the notes come with the file and everything like that. I will mention when it's safe to come back if you don't want spoilers. So, we are starting spoiler talky stuff now. No. Okay. The other bit that I that were, was getting me all like ah, wibbly that reminded me of the last movie is when Gandalf is talking about why Bilbo come, came along. Mm. He's talking about how he was said. No, he has that line about how how we defeat evil, evil with everyday with all acts. the little things yes. that we do it's and the acts of things. love and stuff like that. And that got me all like teary and was starting sort of like Gandalf's speech in Fellowship of the Ring. About, you know, Frodo says he wishes he, the ring had never come to him, and mm-hmm. Gandalf says, So you know, do so all, all who live through such times, such times. It is up to us to decide what to do with the time that is given to, that's given to us. Yeah. Which always makes me kind of weepy. And I just, oh, so good. <laughs> I loved getting, I loved the way they incorporated the backstory and stuff so that they can, and I can sort of see why they, they pay certain things. There are a number of changes. Mm-hmm. to the story. You Some of which I know people you, have been... You have to kind of have to get used to seeing certain characters again 
knowing what they're gonna go into, like Sar- Saruman. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, but see, I like see the. I read someone else, and I thought was thinking this the same when I saw it. I like how they handle that because he comes off as someone called someone said, you know, it's like see every meeting you've ever been to for work or something like that. There's always some some guy who's like that. Yeah, true. Who's just like, this isn't going to work because of X, Y, and Z and just seems like a jerk. But, so it kind of, it sets it up, but it doesn't give it away. Yeah. If you haven't seen, if, you know, say years from now, people are watching The Hobbit in order and then watching Lord of the Rings. It doesn't say, I am a big evil wizard. What did you think of Radagast? I liked Radagast, but then see... Now, he's one of those things that I know a lot of fans were sort of like, what did you do? Because I should mention, too, like, I didn't... And a lot of those fans are, like, are a lot of people who, you know, grew up reading The Hobbit and, you know, have read it a lot of times and have this, you know, special place in their heart for it and stuff like that. I don't have that history with that book, with the mm-hmm. book. So it wasn't anything like that. I don't have that emotional, what did you do sort of connection. However, the sled pulled by rabbits... I'm sorry, no. No? That was awesome. Okay, I was going to say, because I thought it was awesome. If you were going to say no, I was going to say, okay, no, quit wrestling right now. To to any of the fans who did like it, I'm like, sorry, guys, no. I love the sled with rabbits. Y'all can complain as much as you want about the other stuff, but I'm keeping the rabbits, because that was hilarious. <laughs> Dude was flipping acrobatic on that thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I know that he actually had a stunt person to do that, but the kid... Yeah, CG. But, but <laughs> for, for character purposes, I'm like, Dude must be fit. And I, I I like that he's sort of like quirky and a little bit off center. I'm sorry. <laughs> sort of a guy. He seems sort of like a guy who spent a little too long out in the woods with only the animals for company. <laughs> and the mushrooms. My problem. Mm-hmm. And the reason I can't have a cigarette yet over this movie. Why? Because we only heard Cumberbatch breathe. Both <laughs> yes. of his characters made it onto the screen in some sort of vague way. He's the mm-hmm. voice of the necromancer, and we saw his form start to coalesce. And I think he's actually, I don't know how CG'd he's going to be. Like, I, I think when I originally saw it credited, he was credited as the voice of the necromancer. Yes. But I've seen other things say that he's, like, playing the character. And when you see the form of the necromancer coming together, he's definitely that tall, tall lanky yes. sort of look. Yes. So I don't know if they, you know, maybe they just based the look of the character off Dude, the we, we know but. that. We know that the Cumberbatch can pull off a villain very well. So if you want to make it the Necromancer, that's fine with me. But yes, yeah, when that bit happened and the Necromancer was starting to coalesce, I started leaning forward in my seat and I was like, are we gonna... Shit, Shit, no. no. (laughs) And then, of course, the last thing we see, because this stops at a particular point, the last thing we see are the bowels underneath the mountain with all the hordes of gold and then a great exhale of gold happens and you see... The nostrils of Smog, the dragon, yeah. or as if you want to get really technically ga- really technically pronounced Smog, but whatever Smog, and his <laughs> eyes open. I think I have. I did read something where someone today was like, "I thought it was pronounced Smog, but I guess it's not." And then someone else had, and they said they looked it up in the appendices, and I guess he has a pronun- Tolkien has a pronunciation yeah. guide, so it should be more Smog. Yeah, and apparently it's not supposed to be Gandalf, it's Gundalf. But I'm yeah. like, you know what? Whatever. Yeah, so I only got to hear, hear Cumberbatch breathe, and I'm sorry, I can't have a cigarette over that just yet. <laughs> now, if, Just wait for the next movie, dearie. If, if they actually release video footage of him in, like, in the audio booth with the big microphone stuff on and just doing the snarly face and breathing, that I can have a cigarette too. And I don't smoke. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting any Cumberbatch in this movie, though, because I figured it was... 
I wanted a just bit one, early. just one, like one thing to hold on to. <laughs> okay, I got a bit of dragon's tail. I got some dragon feet. I got some dragon nostrils and some dragon eyes and some dragon silhouette and some dragon fire. Mm-hmm. I ain't got no dragon yet. And we got wisps of the necromancer. And no, instead we got Thorin. Okay, we did get Thorin, but damn. It was, I, oh my god, Richard Armitage. A, still looks hot even with like all the dwarf stuff on, like the long hair and the beard and everything. I and did. B, oh my god, he's such so good. I'd do that dwarf. I would. <laughs> yep, I'd do that dwarf. But he's also like, oh, the part, just the way he plays the part too is just so good. It's good. He's, you really he's get that it. conviction of someone who has lost their home and their family and has their done everything lineage. trying they, to keep... lost everything. His yeah. lineage, his his kingdom, his everything. Yeah, and he's done everything he could to try and keep his people together and is now trying to get it back and it's just, oh my god, you're so good! Of course, I knew that already, because, oh my god, I've been in love with him since North and South. <laughs> Which, sweet, good lord, guys, if you have not seen the BBC North and South, this is not to do with the Civil War, the American Civil War. This is about... Um, sort of the Industrial Revolution in England taking place during, like, the 1850s, and there's a bit of a romance going on, and holy crap, he's so hot in that mo- in that TV show. Holy Jesus. But, oh my god, yes, he's so good, and I love all, all the dwarves are so adorable, and they I love are. them. I can't remember which one it is, I think it's Ori, I'm not 100% sure, but he's there, like, turning over lettuce leaf at Rivendell. <laughs> and he's the, like, what is this? <laughs> like, go ahead, just try it, just one bite. No, I don't like it. I won't eat food that's green. And they're all looking at each other. Where's the meat? I'm like, yeah, of course. Elves hosting dwarves, yeah, this ain't gonna go well. Yeah, for many different reasons. <laughs> as we see in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. As part of yeah. that backstory. Yes, there's a lot of backstory that will explain the friction between yes. the species. Between dwarves and elves. The races. So, Martin as Bilbo... Oh my god, so perfect. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine who else they could have gotten to do that. Like, I know I've heard the names of a couple of the actors that they were also considering, or might have also been considering, but, like, no. Martin Freeman, all the way. Like, he's just, he's so perfect. And there's so many, like, little things that you can kind of recognize. Watson-ish, you were saying. Yeah, there were some some things you can recognize that are are just a little Watson-ish at times. But there's so many other things, too, that very much seem like, in home from the Lord of the Rings movies mm-hmm. and from the beginning of this movie. It's just like, yes, you can totally believe that this is Bilbo when he's like 60 years younger. I believe it. And he's just so good. Especially with Bilbo's kind of arc where he's like, no, I totally can't go on an adventure, but you can kind of see there's that tiny he's, little part of him. Yes, there's that glint in his eye that sort of maybe kind of want wants to. And how he starts, you know, reluctantly starts on it, but, you know, grows as things go on. And I know part of that is, part is developed, is built in with some of the stuff that they changed for the movie, but I think they changed it mainly because they already knew they were making at least two movies. Now, of course, they're making three. But and, I think, he, and they needed something to, some sort of, arc stopping point for the end of the first movie. Yeah. They didn't need it to have its own little sort of arc and come to a point where they can, you know, just be like, and here's the setup for the second movie, and finish. So, because this is the spoiler section, we will tell you, they left the Shire and went through... They encountered the trolls, Mm -hmm. went to Rivendell, left Rivendell and got captured by the goblins... And from the goblins... Bilbo met Gollum, Gollum and got the ring. And they got out of that just in time to be chased by wargs. 
and the orcs climb up the tree, which is pivotal in the story. And I like that they kept the flaming pine cones. That was neat. Mm-hmm. Apparently the battle at that point is a little different. <laughs> it's a little different than it was in the book. I remember. But again, you're coming up to the end of the first movie, so they kind of have to... I could have sworn I remember the, the flaming pine cones. Flaming pine cones, yes, but the whole pale orc thing... Oh, the pale orc thing's not there. Not there. Not there. Yeah, yeah they, so... they introduced that character. Yeah. But, um, as sort of a driving force for Thorin. Thorin. And probably, and probably also as sort of a... To try and raise the stakes, too, yep. because they need, like, one... They need, like, one need thing that is chasing them or they something need, like they, that. Yeah, they yeah. need a face of, of Pursuing evil. Them. Um, and the m- movie ends after they were rescued by the eagles mm-hmm. and taken to the Eyrie. Do you pronounce Which, it Eyrie? Airy? I don't know. How do you pronounce Anyway, they take... Air- I think it's Airy, but it's one of those words I've seen written, like, a bunch of times, but I don't know if I've ever heard it Sorry, pronounced. we is not the most smart t- today. But so I did hear a lot of people saying, so, how are they going to get down off that rock? <laughs> it's like, um, eagles, couldn't you put them down on, like, ground? <laughs> I kind of wanted at least a little conversation because I know that it was the king of the eagles that mm-hmm. Gandalf like rescued and healed his wing from a poacher's um, arrow at one point, which is why they formed this kinship. I wanted at least that yeah. explained. Which is why Gandalf can ask him to do this sort of stuff. Yeah, this is both why, in this book and in Lord of the Rings. This is and why, why it's not just like, hey, can you pick us up and fly us off to Mordor in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, Gandalf doesn't ask that of just any random enormous bird. Yeah. Gandalf has a relationship with these birds. I wish a little bit of that had been explained, but it might be there at the beginning of the first... of the next movie. Yeah, things have to be screwed up all the way to 11 for Gandalf to be like, okay, seriously, dude, I need some help here. The Goblin King was nasty, man. Oh, man, yeah. So, like, such amazing characters of design because so gross. Yeah. Nasty. (laughs) And he was so, like, but so well done. And, oh, my God, speaking of so well done and CG characters, Andy Serkis... Dear God, man. Yep. You need to be nominated for, like, supporting actor awards, because holy crap. Gollum is so amazing. And if you didn't know this, if you didn't know this, if you have, if you're just entering into the whole Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit thing, and had maybe seen the movies but didn't know how they were made and stuff, when you see Gollum, it's basically, I saw someone describe it as digital makeup. Yeah. Because whenever you see Gollum on screen, that is Andy Serkis on the set in a green suit with little, like, ping pong balls or stuff on him. Like doing all the motions and facial expressions and the voice and everything at the same time mm-hmm. as the other actors. Like, so he is there acting. He is Gollum. Gollum is not just, you know, CG character that he did the voice for in a studio somewhere. And we see, and you know he's a good actor when we see Gollum doing something we hadn't seen him do in the last series, which is mm-hmm. think. Like, sort out the riddles. Mm-hmm. And you see him actually stop and think. And you, <laughs> you know, those facial, face, expressions. facial expressions he goes through as he goes through his ideas. It's good. Oh, it's, it's good. so well done. And Gollum, and he's, he plays him so well, too, because he's got that that evil side and that vulnerable side. Like, the, well, those two halves of his personality. Right. With the, shut up, wasn't talking to you. Yeah. Where you <laughs> start to get an inkling that he's not all there. Yeah, but Both of them. Or that there's two these two parts of his personality and that one of them will be in dominance and the other one will. And, like, he's... You know, they got that, that balance that they also did in Lord of the Rings where he's, like, this, this antagonist character, but he also has that vulnerability that you kind of have to feel sorry for and 
there's all those sort of mixed emotions when it comes to Gollum. There will always be. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's how the character yeah, is. Yeah, that's basically. how the character is. Oh, and I should mention, there is a hell of a lot of knitwear in this movie. I've noticed it when we were watching, but I didn't think I, I think I mentioned it to one of, a friend of ours, Holly, at work the next day. I don't think I got a chance to mention it to you no. in an email. There is a lot of knitwear in the movie. A lot of the dwarves are wearing that's true. fingerless gloves. That's true. Or hand warmers. A lot of them, I saw one of them had fingerless gloves and a seed stitch pattern. Another one had some with cables on them. One of the dwarves is wearing a tunic sort of vest thing. And it's, the entire thing is knit and there's a lot of different stitch patterns. And if I saw little cables, there was a little sort of slip stitched smocking style thing up on the, the left shoulder of it. And then I noticed, I noticed a few times, but I especially saw it in the nice big close up we get when Gandalf and Galadriel are talking and she takes one of his hands or something like that, he's wearing, like, underslaves or something underneath his robes mm-hmm. that are in reverse stockinette stitch. Oh, go you. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, there's knitting. <laughs> Lots of knitting in this. Go you. I kind of want to see it again so I can pick out all the knitting. Yeah, now that I think about that, I kind of want to go look for it, too. Knit spotting. Do you have a favorite moment? Oh my god. I, it's the sort of thing I probably need to see it again so I can just be like, oh my god, so I can figure out, like, so I can remember everything that happened. Yeah, probably. But I have to admit, like, probably one of my, like, one, my favorite sections of the movie at the moment probably has to be in Bag End and Hobbiton, just because it's like, oh my god, we're back! We're back! It's like coming home! Because I just love Hobbiton so much. But, uh, like, the, the one bit that always gave me goosebumps in the trailers and gave me goosebumps this time is with the dwarves singing at Bag End. Oh, it's like, that was beautiful! crap! Just all oh, goosebumps all the way up and down my arms. Beautiful. But yes, bag end. I want bag end. But you know, preferably no dwarves stopping by. Well, that. No, at least they do the dishes. They, yeah, they, After they eat you out of house and home. Uh, yeah, literally. <laughs> poor if poor Bilbo hadn't gone on this adventure, he would have had a hell of a grocery <laughs> list the next day. Yeah, the the local farmers in Hobbiton would have been like, seriously, dude, how much did you eat last night? Yeah. Oh, so good. What was your favorite moment? I it. It, for me, the one that keeps coming back to my mind is when Thorin Oakenshield is walks down the fiery pine tree that's yes. leaning over, and it's got <laughs> that, a score from Weathertop written yeah. on top of it. And that totally, in that totally non-subtle whatsoever hero shot. Yeah, I am. Oh, and one of my favorite moments is when Bilbo has his badass moment. Just yes, after that, Bilbo has epic badass moments. By the way, when you know he sees. Thorin is injured, and he goes, like, running in to save him. Ah, Even though yeah, he's, like, so small. Bilbo and... actually faces down frickin' wargs. I'm like, dude, go with your bad self. Go, shorty, with your bad self. <laughs> go, shorty, it's your birthday. I, I kind of like the, the epic hero shot with the Weathertop score written on top of it. Bum. It's that mo- those kind of moments that say someone is going to get fucked up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just bounce along behind, clapping your hands. Someone's gonna get it. Someone's, Someone's gonna, gonna get, get it. it. Epic battle time. Yeah. Oh, oh, and another favorite bit. Oh, God, another bit that, oh, my God, Martin Freeman, you are so good, is that bit when he's talking about why, why he's, he's doing on this. The, yeah, why he's doing it. He's saying yeah. that, you know. Yeah. The other guys are saying, oh, the dwarves previously had said something like, oh, you just, you're homesick, you just want to go home, blah, blah, blah. And... You know, Bilbo says, yes, I am homesick. Yes, I miss Bag End. I think about it every day, that sort of thing. But you guys don't have a home. It was taken from, from you. you. And that's I wanna why help I'm doing you, this. I want to help you get it back because I know what it's like to, to miss, your miss home. home. I can't imagine what it's like to not have a home. Wibblies! 
like, oh! And of course, the music underneath that was the music when Sam is doing his big yes. speech at the end of Two Towers. Towers. It's like, oh my god, seriously, Howard Shore, you are killing me here. Okay, so, so shall we segue back out of spoilers? Se- out of spoilery, are we going to go into the... Oh, hell yes. Okay. I need to hear about this. Okay, so we are back from spoilers. It is safe to come back. And as one more Hobbit note, in a much more lighthearted... <laughs> I didn't know sort about the, I didn't know about this whole interview style or aspect until I arrived here and I'm sorry I just I just lost it when I saw this. <laughs> I lost it. Cuz it is hilarious. So on the Mary Sue, there was an article called Forget Boring Questions, Why Not Engage the Cast of the Hobbit in a Game of FMK. And for those of you that don't know FMK stands for Fuck Mary Kill. <laughs> Basically, what you do is you ask someone, you give someone three options of three different, generally people. Sometimes, in some variants of the game, the object is to make them the most no, no, don't want, please no. Please never. Group of three people. Right. And they have to choose which one they would have, have relations. relations with, as they say. Which one they would marry. And which one they, they would, would kill. kill. So, yes. So, an interviewer from MTV, <laughs> Josh Horowitz, sat down with Martin Freeman, Ian McKellen, and Annie Cir- Andy Circus for two rounds each of Middle Earth-themed Fuck, Mary Kill. <laughs> so, you can find this, like I said, at The Mary Sue. You can find it at www.themarysue.com slash the-hobbit-fmk. Problem is, if you are not in the United States, you're going to get a warning sign saying, sorry, this video is unavailable from your location. Which means you can mosey on over to YouTube. And I googled MTV Martin Freeman, Ian McKellen, Andy Circus, and it came in a little way down. The video, specific video we found that had it is called An Unexpected Erotic, Erotic Journey. Journey with the cast of The Hobbit Video MTV. I love the look on Martin's face, you know, where you, <laughs> part of him, th- he must go into this thinking, okay, this is going to be another, you know, this is interview number 845 regarding The Hobbit. I've done this before. I've got my answers prepared. And then he gets asked this and you could just see his face go just a little bit what? Yeah. It seemed to catch all of them by surprise, yeah. really. I, I, I'm sorry, up until today, I would never have posed this to Ian McKellen, but he was totally into it. Oh, yeah. So, I think the first round they had to choose between Smaug, the Eye of Sauron, and... The Orc. An Orc. Right. An Orc. An Orc. And they had to do the, the relations, marry, or kill. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> They're all like, Though the hilarious one was first, they yes. show Ian McKellen's yes. response, and he's like, well, I guess, I forget who he said, I forget if it was fuck or Mary for Smog. I think it was Mary. He married yeah. Smog. He's like, well, you know, because that's Benedict Cumberbatch, and there are worst, worst fates. And we just so high-fived it right there. Yes. Oh, and then God. Martin yeah. said he would, I forget if, again, if it was fuck or Mary. Mary. I think it was Mary. Smog. And he's like... Well, he's got a nice voice, at least. <laughs> Which I'm sure all the Sherlock and John slash fans just exploded about. And wherever he is, Benedict Cumberbatch must be just rolling in laughter or going bright pink. Yeah, or face palming. Yeah. And then it also went to the choices were Bilbo, Bilbo Gandalf, and Gollum. And Gollum. And Karen and I agreed on something, which actually Ian McKellen and Martin 
chose, I believe. Yeah, I think so. They both said they'd kill Gollum, and they'd marry Bill... No, actually, uh, Sir Ian McKellen said, I'd marry Gandalf, and we'd have such a lovely time. Yes. And he said he, but he said he would have relations with, with Bilbo. Bilbo. Whereas, I think it was Martin that said... It was the other way around. It was the other way around, and... Karen it's the way and I, that you and I yeah, went. Karen and I agree, Gollum killing... Yes, let's take care of that problem first. Yes. Bilbo Because, I mean, I'd be, I'd be sad to kill him. Put him out of his misery. But, yeah. He he is just a bad boyfriend waiting to happen. Yeah, I don't... But, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to be any of the other two with yeah. him, so... Sorry, Gollum, process, process of elimination. Right. You are off the island. Yes. <laughs> Bilbo is the steady boyfriend. He is the good boy, the one that your mother will approve of... Doesn't and it's also, like, total sweetheart. Yes. Really de- you know, hobbits are domestically Mystic. oriented. They are all about the marriage thing, okay? And we wanted Bag End anyway, so yes, we might we as did. well marry into it. No kidding. <laughs> now, Gandalf is that really hot, exotic one-night stand that you had a while ago. Yeah. And he's going to blow out of town for a couple of years. Yeah, because I pointed out that, like, in the books and stuff... Gandalf just goes off and does wizarding stuff His for, own like, thing. decades at a yeah. time. So, And then he blows back into town, and you kind of look at, oh, well, I'm married, but, you know, the Hobbit doesn't have to know unless the Hobbit wants to join. <laughs> because, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, Gandalf's got the really big staff. We all know that. <laughs> He's got a very large staff. staff. Oh, yeah. sweet Jesus, that reminds me. I saw there was this interview with Richard Armitage where he's talking about the swords. Yeah. And stuff like that. And he's like, well, you know, kind of, and he starts giggling as he starts saying it, because he realizes exactly what he's saying, but he's like, out of all the dwarves, I've got the biggest sword. <laughs> and there's a comment about naming the swords, and he's like, well, you know, I've kind of named my sword. Stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my god, you are so hot, and you're talking about your penis. <laughs> oh, they're all just boys with toys. Oh boy, Yes. But yes, so actually, what do you guys think? So you guys, in the comments for this, play Fuck, Mary Kill. You can bring in new characters. Oh, yeah, But I really want to hear everybody's comments for the first round, like we said, Smaug, Ives Sauron, and Orc. Orc. And the second one, Bilbo, Gandalf, and Gollum. Go for it. You've heard our reasoning. Yeah. But you know, maybe Gollum melts your panties, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, if you're into that (laughs) sick, twisted stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, with nine teeth. At least he'll put a ring on your finger. (laughs) <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> You'll put the ring on your finger and then it'll bite the finger off. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Into cravings, covets, and crushes. Yeah, so we've got, we've just got one, and this is appropriate for the upcoming holiday. Because if you haven't started knitting by now for the holidays, <laughs> don't. You're kind of boned. Just don't. Avo- Unless you're doing, it. like, you know, a doll scarf in bulky yarn or something like that. <laughs> um, so this is an Etsy user, user called Eat Toast. E-A-T-T-O-A-S-T. And she does Christmas. Her real name is Kelsey Wales. And she does things with Sculpey. And and that sometimes includes taking existing things and adding Sculpey to them. So she has a number of geeky Christmas ornaments. There's a Dalek Christmas Christmas ornament. ornament, And it's cute. It's decorated in red, white, and green. There's a bunch of Tamagotchi Christmas ornaments. (gasps) The the Sherlotters. She makes other little creatures, including Sherlotters. It's so cute. Sherlock otters. And I especially love the one in the white blanket. Regular costume, deer stalker, and scarf, or shock blanket, or regular blanket. Yeah, your choice. And they're $10 each, which is not bad. There's also John Hogs, little hedgehogs. Wearing his sweaters. Wearing John's sweaters. And these two are both inspired by Sherlock fandom, which yeah. Yeah, has decided that Sherlock is an otter 
including some pictures. There's been some some gift sets of like Sherlock of Benedict Cumberbatch making different faces and otters. Yes, making faces I've seen that. Very similar. And they've decided that John is a hedgehog. There's also there's Tamagotchi Christmas ornaments. There's a Cyberman Christmas ornament, Anglerfish Christmas ornament, and Doctor Who. Who? She's got these little. They're basically vinyl toy owls that she's used Sculpey and acrylic paint on to make them look like the doctors. And she does a good job, in my opinion. Yeah. She's, and she's got more regular Christmas ornaments, too, I should mention, like bluebirds and chickadees Aww, and things like that. They're really cute. They're so cute. They're so fat and cute. Oh, my God, an anteater. Hedgehog no, Christmas ornament. No, pangolin. It's a pangolin. A pangolin. Oh, my God, a pangolin Christmas ornament. It's so cute. Oh, and cardinals. I love cardinals. Mm-hmm. She also does special... What the heck? Wait, scroll down. What the heck is that? My little ood. Yeah, she also does special modified My Little Ponies. Is that a Bane My Little Pony with the mask? Oh, good God. Bane from Batman The Dark Knight Rises. My Little Hulk. In her sold items, there is a... My Little Captain America. Oh. There's also, in her sold items, that she doesn't have them in the shop right now, unfortunately, but you never know. Um, there's also little Totoro Christmas ornaments. There's an Ood Scarfosaurus. Oh my god, that's adorable! A little dinosaur wearing a scarf. A Waller's Christmas ornament. A TARDIS! TARDIS. Totally. There's the 10th Doctor. Who? Some of the, the Doctors have, and the are 11th, sold out. Yeah. And the 4th. 10th and 11th, I think, are sold out, but there's a 9th still in the shop. Oh my god. Ugly Jigglypuff. Damn, that thing would give me <laughs> nightmares. She has categories for ponies and ornaments and stuff like that, too. And the Doctor Who's. She has an Iron Man one. Yep, that was the one I was looking for. My Little Hawkeye. Oh, dear God. My Little Iron Man. My, my little, little Nick Fury. Fury. Of course, the, the modified... My Little Cylon. Oh, my God. Oh, sweet mother. That's so cool. My Little Marvin from Checker's Guide. Yeah, of course, the My Little Pony ones are a bit more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> like 150 bucks more expensive. But you can see why, because they're holy detailed crap, detail. cool. And the painting detail detail on them is adorable. It even has this almost cocky sort of tilt to its head. Yep. I'm impressed. And it comes with a little bow and, and arrows. curve arrows. Oh. And a little pony Iron Man butt. Or Pony Stark, if you love bad puns. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, so the shop name is Eat Toast, all one word, on Etsy.com. And just before we go, because... We are probably going to record next week, but it's probably going to... We usually record on Fridays, which would be the 21st of December. So I don't know if the episode's going to come out before Christmas. So there's going to be a little Christmas treat tacked on to this episode. I'm actually probably going to put it in in lieu of our usual outro, so I'll just mention here. If you would like to contact us, you can do so at the blog, which is knit1geek2.mtpockets.org, which is mt... the letters M. T-P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot org. You can email us at knit1geek2. Again, always, one of the one and two are always the numerals. At gmail.com. You can find us at our Twitter account, which I really should update more, which is at knit1geek, at knit1geek2. And you can find our Ravelry group on ravelry.com. Just search for knit space one space geek space two. And again, the numerals. So there's a little Christmas treat coming up right after this. This is the brainstorming we did? Yes. This is the cracktastic idea I suddenly had on the way home from Knit Night, which which stole about 45 minutes of studying time because my brain wouldn't let it go. So everybody has to listen to it because Karen gave up valuable studying time for this. And then Maggie compounded the craziness by helping me out with it during while we were waiting for The Hobbit. 
Because there were certain as- certain verses yes, of it needed adjustment. that needed adjusting. It was well on its way to crazy. I just gave it a little nudge. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, everybody. So, yes. In case this the next week's episode doesn't come out before Christmas, hope everybody who celebrates Christmas has a good time. Have a good Christmas. Hope everybody's happy been having. Yep, yeah, everyone has a good ha- happy Yule. I hope everybody who's been celebrating Hanukkah, Hanukkah has had a good Hanukkah and eaten lots and lots of really greasy, yummy foods. Everybody remember that uh, the world is supposed to end next Friday. Please yeah, true. Adjust your schedules accordingly. Yes. Probably still be podcasting from wherever in the universe that we get exploded to. <laughs> but you know, I, I think we should be good. Hey. Um, I'm going to be surrounded by black belts, so if we, have a zombie pro- <laughs> if we have a zombie problem, I think I'll be cool. Considering all the stuff we saw today, especially like the, the fuck, Mary kill, and the NASA, NASA Gangnam style. Dude, if if the Mayans are right, I'm okay with it. Yep, I'm uh, good now. My my life is good. No, no, my life is no, 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 no. <laughs> Wait a minute, no. I have not heard the Cumberbatch yet. True. World canon. Maybe Peter Jackson could just release a nice little clip of that, just in case. He needs to before the world ends. Yeah. I'm not going to allow any Mayan intervention. I'm sorry. I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> no, Mayans. I must see at least some of the second Hobbit movie. I have to hear the Cumberbatch. Sorry, but it is... <laughs> I'm putting my foot down about this. I've been nice regarding everything else, but anyways. Yeah. So, enjoy the apocalypse, and here's your little Christmas treat. Bye! Bye! Santa baby, slip the phaser under the tree for me. I've been stunning all year, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa baby, a spangled superhero too, in blue. Or an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Santa baby And hurry down the chimney tonight Think of all the cons I've missed Think of all the Wookiees that I haven't kissed Next year I could be oh so good If you'll check off my Christmas list Santa baby, I want a wand and really that's not a lot Going to Hogwarts next year, Santa baby And hurry down the chimney tonight Santa honey, one thing would look good in my home A throne Winter is coming soon, Santa baby, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa cutie, fill my stocking with a TARDIS, can't miss. Of course it's bigger inside, Santa cutie, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Come and trim my Christmas tree With all the boys from the BBC I really do believe in you Of course I believe in Sherlock too Santa baby forgot to mention one precious thing The ring 
tell Frodo to go home, Santa baby, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Hurry down the chimney tonight.